most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by PrizePix. I'm your host, Samantha Prabidi. Every Thursday here in this podcast, I will be answering your mailbag questions, which you can submit for future shows to mailbag at actionnetwork.com. Today, as always, I am so excited to be joined by Brandon Anderson, who is an NFL and NBA writer here at Action Network, who you can find on Twitter at Wheaton Brando. Brandon, how was your week five? He was pretty good. I am somehow am five for five on upset special picks this week. I had the Bills at the Chiefs, and that one worked out well, other than the hour-long delay we had stuck in the middle of it. Yeah. I saw this week we had football for 15 hours and one minute, which it turns out is a few more hours than I was ready for, because between the, this is such a sports media thing to say, but 15 hours of football and then immediate podcast afterward, like I was in recovery mode all day Monday. So week five went well, but I'm ready for London games to disappear for good. I don't, I don't need that morning on top of everything else. Fair enough. I was up on Sunday because I, I work on Sundays, but I was not watching the Jets game, really. I mean, I kind of had it like on, but I was just not really paying attention to too much to it. So if I were not working, I probably would not have woken up for that one. Um, Zach wow. Wilson definitely looked like a rookie in that game. But glad your your week five went well. Brandon's out here giving out winners. So you definitely should follow him and follow his work on Action Network. Um I just saw that Christian McCaffrey is 50-50 to play this week, which is, uh, I just like, I wish I knew one way or the other, because I actually have Hubbard in at least one of the leagues where I have CMC. So I think what's going to be the messiest is if he does go and it's just like a Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan situation like last week, where it was clear that he was not fully, Mixon was not fully healthy and they used Samaj P. Ryan a bunch. So hopefully if one does go, like, you know, I, I just want to know. I just want to know the answer. So, um, yeah, I mean, that? McCaffrey is so good, even if he gets a little bit limited touches, you, you know, you spent the number one pick on him. If he's going to play, <laughs> you have to play him. Like there's, there's almost no chance that your team is so deep that you have a better option than even like 50% of McCaffrey or 60% of him or whatever. But to me, you're bearing the lead a little bit here because Samantha, I need to know if you and I are still going to be friends after this week, our <laughs> teams are fighting each other. This is Panthers Vikings week. And there's a lot on the line here. It is very exciting. I just saw that the Panthers are one point underdogs going Panthers. Uh, what are your, yeah. your take on the game? <laughs> Yeah, so the I want to I hear the State of the Union on the Panthers. So let me give you the State of the Union on the Vikings right now. We suck. We almost <laughs> lost to the Lions. We, we were ahead of the Vikings. Yeah, I'm just going to go with we. I don't care. The Vikings, we were ahead by 10 with two and a half minutes left and nearly lost to the, Viking, or lost to the Lions in regulation. So the Lions get a, a field goal. They get they, they, All that the Vikings have to do is just hand the ball off a few times around the clock out. Can you do that? They fumble the ball. Lions get the ball back and get the touchdown. At this point, here's what I'm going to tell you. So touchdown and extra point ties the game. 
every Vikings fan, any respectable Vikings fan is hoping for Detroit to go for two, win the game and put us out of our misery. Like <laughs> Vikings fans and Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer era, our old yeller status at this point, like just take us out back and finish the job. It's time to move on to the next stage. But no, we got to win. We got it. The one kicker who actually makes the field goal this week is the Vikings kicker this time. Of course it is. Oh, weird. So we're back in two and three win this week against Carolina. And we might actually be in the playoff race until <laughs> we're not again, because that's how the Vikings go. So it it's a mess. The passing game is pretty good. So that's the hope. Justin Jefferson is awesome. Uh, the defense I do like, as far as a matchup goes, the defensive line has been getting a lot of good pressure on. And I think Carolina's O-line looks somewhat ripe for the picking for me, but I haven't seen a lot of Carolina as much as you. So what, what's the state of the union on Carolina for you? I mean, I thought they were a very fraudulent 3-0 and team. So I, I thought they were up there with like the Broncos, maybe in that region, maybe not as fraudulent as like the Raiders were, say. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've just been disappointed with how the defenses looked the past two weeks. And just, I, I feel like, they're lacking like the one star player. I know they have DJ Moore, but he had like an off game this game. Like they're lacking like a star power situation on the offense because it's just looked so, so, I don't know, milk toast, uh, lukewarm, nice. as one would say. So <laughs> I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of points in this game, unfortunately. The total is 46. So Vegas doesn't think so either. I was very disappointed in the Vikings, by the way, because Kirk Cousins was one of my starts of the week. I was so excited about him. I thought he was going to be top 12 for sure. Like I had him like mentally ranked top 10. And I just thought like, oh, the matchup is so juicy. This is the perfect get right team to face the Lions so I mean I, I it was a tough fought game I know the Lions like <laughs> they've poured their whole hearts and soul into that game they, they've been a lot of kneecaps in that game um but like it was it was nice though to see the Vikings and the Chargers both win a close game uh, because a lot of times history has been on the other side. Of yeah, it. I was going to say, I would say that's a cheap shot, but that's not, that's just, that's just a fair shot. That's, that's accurate. That's <laughs> I mean, not what the Vikings do or the chargers. It was a sloppy week all around. Obviously the kick was like the biggest story that it kept, you know, so many games going on that Packers game, I thought was just never going to end. And then, um, we had so many injuries. We had Barkley, we had CEH and Juju and just like a bunch of quarterbacks getting banged up. Daniel Jones was in the concussion protocol. It felt like every other play I was watching on red zone, someone was getting tended to on the field. Max Williams is out for the year with a disgusting injury, by the way. So uh, just terrible sloppiness all around. Speaking of Christian McCaffrey, our esteemed colleague, Mike Randall on Twitter made a job at People who I think like there are a lot of people that say never veto like they're absolutely don't veto trades. So he said this is for the no veto crowd. This trade is sending Christian McCaffrey for Khalif Raymond, Ramondre Stevenson and dropping their kicker, Tristan Vizcano. So what would you do in this situation? Obviously, it's egregious. Um, do you think? This is without knowing background. Do you think this is collusion? Do you think this is grounds to kick someone out? Or are you even on this like no veto train? 
So the only world in which this trade makes even an iota of sense is the world where it's Khalif Raymond's grandmother. She set up the rules and it's a Khalif Raymond bonus league where every time he touches the ball, it's an extra 10 bonus points. Now it's close to even. I'd still rather have McCaffrey, but in the Khalif Raymond league run by Khalif Raymond's grandma with Khalif Raymond bonus points, sure, maybe it's a fair trade. This is not a fair trade. This is an absurd trade. These guys are waiver wire guys. Khalif Raymond was on waivers till this week. They, they both should have been. They're, they're guys that, sure, I'll pick them up. I'll, I'll pick up Ramonde and see what happens whenever Belichick decides to play for the running back that week. But here's my thing with trades. So I was the trade guy in all my leagues. I'm the guy who makes deals not like this because this is absurd, but I'm the <laughs> guy who makes everyone else ask the question, do you veto trades? No, you don't veto trades. Vetoing trades is saying, man, what a great trade that was. Sure wish I was the guy that got there first. That's what vetoing trade means usually. It's that you wish that you pulled the trade off and now you're upset that your opponent got a little bit of an edge on you. So from my point of view, if you are going to veto a trade and this trade you should think about because this is not a real trade. If you're vetoing, you should veto because you think that there's collusion. You think that two teams cheated you know, especially if it's like two brothers involved and the little brother is trading is trading Christian McCaffrey to big brother. And it's probably like, oh, you know, he tried fantasy for a month and then just checked out and, you know, he had fun. He lost a bet or whatever. No, that you can't do that. That's not how fantasy leagues work. So my point of view is this. If you are seriously considering vetoing a trade and on one like this, you should. But if you are considering that, you also have to be considering kicking those people out of the league. Because if you're considering it, it's because people are cheating. And if they're cheating, then you need different people in the league. So it's an all or nothing for me. What about for you? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think in, in the majority of cases when people are asking like, hey, is this trade vetoable? It's generally like, yeah, like you said, it's just like maybe imbalanced, but not like this. Uh, and most of us do not play in Khalif Raymond uh, extra point leagues or premium leagues or whatever you were saying. But, but if Khalif Raymond's grandma is listening, <laughs> hi, we're so glad to have you. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's a matter of like, maybe do a little more investigating if you're the commissioner and if it stinks, if it feels like collusion, it's probably collusion. And I mean, talk to them, but obviously like you don't need people like that in your league and you can find someone else to finish out the season. If, um, and it, even if like, even if you don't want to do it this year because you think it's too difficult to find someone, I would say just like tell them like, fine, finish out the year and you're not invited next year or something like that. So I don't know. Um, there's no like really good, I think, solution for when you end up in this situation. So hopefully most people chose their league mates better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say too, this is a good spot to remember. Most fancy football leagues are being played online now, of course. When I started fantasy, it was back with like pen and paper and we would wait for our results to come in the mail. Uh, you know, on Thursdays, you find out if you won on Sunday. That's real. That was real fantasy football in the 90s when I played. So it's online now, and which is a good time to remember that you are online behind a screen, but talking to real human beings on the other side of the screen. So if you look at this trade and your instinct is just to go crazy and react to it, remember kindly that there are two human beings involved here. And Maybe, you know, reach out, send a message to the person who did the trade that you think got, you know, taken to the woodshed and ask, hey, why did you do the trade? It looks a little fishy to me. 
but is there a reason here? Maybe they are Cooley Freeman's grandmother and they just had to have him. He finally got his chance and all in. And this was the only way they could get him. All right, fine. I wish I had picked him up and done the trade myself, but it is what it is, you know? Uh, but maybe there's a reason. Look, fancy is fun because we don't know what's coming. We don't know who's going to be great. Christian McCaffrey could try to come back this week, hurt his hamstring again, and then not play this season. He's not going to. He's not injury prone. He's great. He's going to be awesome. Don't worry. He's going to be great. But we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. That's the fun of fantasy. So have fun with it. Remember, these are actual people. Feel free to talk to the actual people who have made the trades. I think that Khalif Raymond's grandmother probably would have drafted Khalif Raymond. So <laughs> she really should have. You know, she should have already have. had him on her roster, I think. But if you're yeah. listening, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, All right. Should we get to the questions? Yeah, yes. Let's jump in. We had a lot of questions this we time. Did. I'm excited. All right. So our first question very suspiciously comes from Brian. Really, Brian? That's just Ryan with a B. We're on to you. Brian <laughs> wants to know, standard league with bonus points for catches over 40 yards. And he has two spots for the following choices. Antonio Brown, Adam Thielen, Cortland Sutton, Allen Robinson, and Odell Beckham. Help. Who do we like for Brian's two receivers? I mean, this is a good spot to be in. You have a lot of decent options here. No one likes star, star power. Obviously, Allen Robinson probably was the guy that you drafted in hopes that he's the star power. I would toss him out immediately just because he he needs to go like on the ice flow somewhere. I'm sorry. I'm going to toss him out first. I mean, Beckham is almost droppable at this point. He's only had one kind of decent game. Like I'm not dropping him, but I'm like, I'm not playing him either. I don't, I don't know in what situation you are really playing him. He's had one semi good game all year and scored just three fantasy points last week and half PPR. It, it feels like OBJ is hurt and shouldn't really be playing right now, but they're out of all the other receivers. And so he's just kind of like trying, which good for them, good for the Browns. And for, if that's the case, but he, I, I definitely wouldn't drop him. OBJ has, mm. he's too talented to drop. But he definitely looks like a guy you need to wait to see some production on, especially just from that passing game. Yeah. And then Thielen has probably one of the tougher matchups of the group. He was wide receiver four through three weeks, had definitely a super hot start. I think it was four touchdowns in the first three weeks and then has been wide receiver 69 over the last two weeks. Not nice at all. <laughs> so to me, this comes down to Brown and Sutton. And I think I would go Sutton. He's got the best, one of the best matchups of the five multiple 100 yard games this year. He is the number one. Yes. in an unimpressive offense, but being that number one is still, useful and has the most targets of this whole group. I would say Brown's a really close second. Like he also has two 100 yard games, finishes wide receiver four last week. He may be the third or fourth option. Um, actually, well, I just saw that Gronk is probably going to miss this game. So maybe third option in this offense, which yeah, it's a Tom Brady led offense, but we also know that Brady's dealing with some health issues right now. So I don't know. He kind of feels a little bit boomer bust um, just being kind of in that crowded receiving court. Do you agree with Sutton here? Uh, I agree with Sutton. I think for me, I would put Antonio Brown first on the list, but he's a guy that I was super high on coming into the year. And it's true. We don't really know with him, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. We don't necessarily know who is going to be in a given week, but we do mostly know that it's probably going to be multiple of those choices. And especially with Gronk out, and I think Gio Bernard is still out, 
you know, there, there are not a lot of options. The, the, the receiving depth chart that was so deep, there's some of the injuries on the back end there. So I like Brown. To me, all things being equal, anecdotally, I think Tom Brady has eyes for Antonio Brown. Of all the receivers, he's the one that I, I think Tom Brady gets googly eyes when he sees Antonio Brown running in routes, and, and he's the one that gets open. He also has had a few long catches, so that helps with the bonus here. So as always, I am pretty happy to default to the super awesome team and getting a fancy guy playing for that team. So I'm never going to be mad to have a Tom Brady receiver playing. Antonio Brown has been great there. The other guys that with Sutton, I am not loving playing a Bronco of any sort right now. He's the one that I would play if I have to do one. Uh, But I don't know what's going to happen in that game against the Raiders. Like, do the Raiders come out completely flat like they did last week? Like, look. The Raiders, are, everything is tied to John Gruden right now. So it's a new coach. And sometimes teams have a big boost after getting rid of their coach. But this is a little bit of a different situation, yeah. to, to say politely. So I don't know what's going to happen in that game. Maybe the Broncos have a huge game against them. Maybe the Raiders come out fired up. I think Sutton is probably my second choice just because I don't love the other choices here. So I think we end up with the same two names. But I, I feel good about Antonio Brown. What is your outlook on Thielen as the resident Vikings expert? Yeah, that's a good question. So Thielen to me almost feels more like playing a tight end in that I feel like Thielen is a touchdown play. Mm-hmm. Like he, he for years, he keeps getting these high touchdown numbers and every year he's this regression candidate. Okay, don't take Thielen because he can't possibly catch so many touchdowns again, but then he does because, you know. Vikings fans know that we like to draft or get guys who all they do is catch touchdowns. That was a Chris Carter thing. So that's Adam Thielen as well. So I think to me, the question is, does this shape up like a game where Minnesota is going to score points? Are they going to get enough touchdowns so that you have a chance to get one of them? I don't think Thielen is going to be a big yardage guy or catches guy. You're hoping for that touchdown. So this looks to me in Minnesota, Carolina looks more like a defensive game uh, an under game with not as much scoring. So I don't hate Thielen. He'd probably be in my next pick, and I would probably be considering him against Sutton. But I think Sutton has the higher ceiling here, uh, and I don't know that the floor is too much lower. So I think that he's about right, Thielen is. But it's pretty clear Justin Jefferson is the guy in Minnesota now. So Thielen is kind of just, you know, touchdown or or bust in, in many ways. Yeah, I agree with you. So I think, uh, Brian, you can't go wrong with either Sutton or Brown. I'm pretty high on both guys to speak. Yeah, B. Ryan. I think that's how he actually goes. B. Ryan, okay. All right, let's go to Clayton. Clayton says, we got a long question. We're going to break this up into a few parts. So Clayton writes, what's up, guys? I've got a dilemma with my receivers. In a .5 PPR league with two receiver slots, I've got Tyler Lockett, A.J. Brown, Marquise Brown, and Brandon Cooks. Um, so let's start with that between those four receivers. How do we feel about like, who are the top two that stand out between Lockett cooks and both Browns? Uh, I want to love Lockett because I have him in one league and he was just off to such a hot start. He's almost like turned into Adam Thielen right now where he's just like, he is the touchdown dependent guy and he's, uh, gonna take a hit with Geno Smith under center. Geno Smith looked fine, I guess in the, in the game where he stepped in, but like, obviously that's no comparison for me. Um, I'm going to go with Brown and Brown, the Brown brothers. I know they're not brothers. Um, In spite of AJ Brown's recent struggles, I really have not lost hope in him. 
I do think he's such an elite receiver and he's just been dealing with the, like the, the hamstring injury. And I think that he is on the upswing because he missed a week before and then came back kind of struggled last week. And I think he'll do okay. Like I, and we don't even know if Julio Jones is really on track to play and he's a guy that's also kind of injured. So I think he remains the number one option for Ryan Tannehill. Marquise Brown has had four excellent games this year and just like, he looks like he's showing off in some of these games. He's just so athletic and so like video game, like, um, and yeah, he had one game with three huge drops and that really tanked his value and like his mental image in a lot of people's heads. But I think, I mean, he's wide receiver six right now, and this should be a high scoring game with many red zone opportunities, especially after the chargers defense gave up like 42 points to the Browns. So I think that, those are the two guys that I would go with for receiver of that list. What about you? So Marquise Brown is a must start to me. He's red hot right now. Lamar Jackson is passing more than he has been because their run game is not working as well. And so he's, he's a guy you got to have in your lineup, but he would be probably the number one fantasy receiver. If he hadn't dropped those three touchdowns, those were not just three drops, three touchdown yeah. drops. Like that was 200 yards and three touchdowns that should have been added to his loss line. For the I know lines, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It was a rough one. So Marquise Brown is a must start until proven otherwise, especially while he's healthy. We know that he may not stay healthy forever. I'm not loving AJ Brown. Buffalo's defense is, is absurd right now. And so good. Ryan Tannehill has not been good in primetime games. So I've never been a big AJ Brown fan anyway. So I've, I'm a little hesitant with him. The guy I like out of these four is Brandon cooks. It's a great matchup for him this week. Indianapolis is on a short week. They're coming off that. It has to be emotionally devastating loss the way that they are up 16 with 10 minutes left and then lose. And they lost a bunch of guys in their secondary, which already wasn't good to start with. Brandon cooks, wherever he goes, he keeps moving from team to team, but he just produces and he is leading the league in air yard percentage right now. And uh, Houston's run game, not good. And Indianapolis run defense, very good. So the Texans are going to have to pass. I want cooks. I'm a matchups guy and cooks has been producing pretty well. So Brown and Cooks would be my top two plays. But let's go to the second half of the question because we might have another opportunity here. So uh, we have those two receiver slots. Clayton also has two players to consider for flex. He's got Chase Edmonds and Damian Williams. So he wants to know how many to start out of those six. So I think we've got two receivers already. We could start a third one or we could start Chase Edmonds or Damian Williams. So who do you who would you play flex out of those two running backs or the leftover receiver options? I would probably still lean a leftover receiver option. They're both like, I mean, I, I would say like Damian Williams and Chase Edmonds are probably those like running back twos. And the rest of the receivers here are kind of in that wide receiver two range, but the expected value for like a flex play is higher for receivers than it is for running backs. So I'm probably going to like, I know I just, crapped on Tyler Lockett, but I'm probably going to go with Tyler Lockett here. I just think he's a better upside play than, uh, I don't know, some Chase Edmonds or Damien Williams. Damien Williams, I was very concerned about was like the timeshare. Um, and he was, uh, he saw fewer attempts than Khalil Herbert last week. So I don't know. It's tough to trust anyone in the bears offense right now. So I think that I would go Lockett. Yeah, I think that Lockett would be my choice too. So we end up both taking Marquise Brown and Lockett and just switching out the other receiver. But Pittsburgh is a pretty beatable secondary right now. 
And I don't know that Seattle will be great, but they don't need to be great. We just need to get fantasy points. So if Lockett is, you know, he's healthy and locked in, Gino's got a big arm so he can get the deep ball to Lockett. So I like that one there. I don't love the running back options. And normally I, I defer to a running back mostly because of volume and knowing I'm going to get my 15 or 20 touches. I don't feel that with these two running backs. So neither one do I feel like you can trust for touches. Like especially with James Conner getting all the goal line work, it is disappointing for Edmonds manager. Yes. Well, and the thing too, you said you compared Lockett to Adam Thielen. And it's fair that it it feels like it's a touchdown or bust thing. The difference though to me is that Adam Thielen, you know, I wouldn't call Tyler Lockett a tight end. Not not that Thielen really is either. But Lockett, when he gets his touchdown, it's a 75-yarder. You know, it's, it's a bomb. And I'll miss Russell Wilson for those. But with Thielen, the touchdown was probably going to be like an eight-yard pass in the red zone anyway. So with Lockett, it still is boom or bust because of the touchdown. But the boom is a real boom. Like, if you get that touchdown, then you definitely wanted him in your lineup there. So I, I have my eye on Seattle. I think that they could hang in that one. I'm not even positive that Geno Smith is the, is the worst quarterback in that matchup. Big Ben, not looking so great. So I think Seattle could hang in there. So oh I think we agree, though. Definitely find the three receivers that you like in that matchup. That seems like the way to go there. I saw someone on Twitter spent 100% of their remaining fab on Geno Smith in a super flex league. I think that is a little bit bullish, a little bit more than I would go. But I mean, maybe you just really need someone right now. Um, I understand yeah. if you're really desperate. It's probably Geno Smith's grandmother. All right, let's go to Kenzie for our next question. We got a defense question here. Kenzie is streaming and needs to know Cowboys defense. They're playing at New England or Cardinals defense at Cleveland. Who do you like here? I actually like both for this week, but I'm going to go Cowboys over Cardinals. They're DST. Like, I feel like they've for a while, we just always thought that they were just like really, really exploitable because they were last year. Um, they were one of the worst run defenses, but their DST has finished top five in each of the last three weeks and top 12 every week this year. I think it's a pretty good matchup too against New England, who's been um, sort of turnover prone and given up the fifth most fantasy points to DSTs. Um, so I don't know. I think that I could see there definitely being sacks and turnovers in the Cardinals game as well, but I like the Cowboys right now. It feels like they are on a roll. What say you? Yeah, I agree. I agree with the Cowboys. I don't necessarily want to play the Cardinals against the Browns. The Cardinals run defense is not very good, and that's all the Browns like to do. So there is a chance, at least, if, if your league has negative points for too many yards allowed or too many points allowed, there's a chance we get another one of those like 47, 42 type games, and you're getting some negative points here. There's not a chance of that against New England. Like Mac Jones is not going to come out and put up 40 on you. So anytime you get to play against a rookie quarterback is a pretty good idea. Mac hasn't been making as many mistakes as the other guys, but Trayvon Diggs has an interception all five games this season. Cowboys defense, I think is not necessarily as awesome as they looked, but they're very aggressive. They're, they're willing to, to make mistakes because they know the offense is just going to get back on and score anyway. And in fantasy, that's the sort of defense that you want to play because mm-hmm. I don't care if you give up a few points. In most leagues, points allowed is, in my opinion, not as valuable as it should be. Like they should be bumping that up a little bit. But you're looking for sacks, turnovers, that sort of thing. And I feel like Dallas gives you a lot of opportunities there. 100%. Trayvon Diggs is that entire defense right now. 
He's so good. He's been so awesome. <laughs> I know he's now become that just like shut down corner, whatever, like they need a name for it. Like Darrell Revis had like Revis Island or something. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> some kind of name. All right. Up next, we've got Mike from Minnesota. I like that. I've got about five Mike friends. So whenever yeah. I'm talking to my, my parents about them, I also have to clarify. Oh, no, no, this is my soccer Mike. No, this is the other. So Mike from Minnesota, <laughs> he writes 10 team standard scoring redraft. Do I start CD Lamb or Chase Claypool and flex this week? In light of Juju being out and a preferable matchup against the Seahawks, I feel like Clay's boom or bust might be worth the risk versus CD's safer floor. I understand CD carries some boom bust exposure too. So what is your take? It's really close for me right now, but I would probably go a lamb. I think that you're right. The guys do have sort of like a boomer bust potential and um, Claypool probably has the, their better matchup, slightly improved situation too with Juju out, but their quarterback and offense situations couldn't be more dissimilar. Like I think that comparing Ben Roethlisberger and Dak Prescott at this point, it's just, ridiculous so I mean I'm gonna take the guy in the better offense at this point I think Claypool's like that it's just I think that he'll do well especially without with less competition but his skill set still does not line up with what Ben has worked working for him right now he Claypool is the stretch the field guy he's the guy that can rip off a 70 yard touchdown at any given time but Ben can't throw a 70 yard touchdown so in terms of those two guys but yeah I'm gonna go lamb yeah, what does Ben have working for him right now? Is it is Throwing it tenure? Is it just tenure? Yeah, yeah. Short short dump off passes on fourth and ten. Is that what his his game yes. is? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you on this one. You got to play the better offense, the better quarterback, and and frankly, the much better player. So I, I see the Claypool upside, but I think that CD Lamb always has that upside too. So I'm with him on that one. All right, up next from at Pat's fan twenty one twenty one. Favorite PPR players in the Thursday night game. They need a running back and three receivers or tight ends restricted by salary. So we need some players from Thursday night. Boy, if only we had a segment to pick some Thursday night players. Do we have a segment like that, Samantha? Why, yes, we do, Brandon. It is our elite entry segment where we will dive into the prize picks app to build some entries. So you are going to identify some markets you like and Everyone else gets to build their own prize fix entries if they like what you have to say. And we all get to have some fun and make a little money. Um, so hit us with some week six Thursday night plays that you like. Yeah, so we've got Bucks and Eagles. And to put on my, my NFL analyst hat here a little bit, the key here in this matchup is the Eagles love to run the ball. They're very good at it. Jalen Hurts is a good runner. And they have been very efficient with running. I know Miles Sanders has been frustrating as a fantasy owner, but they're running well. They're running efficiently. They are top five in run DVOA. The problem is that Tampa Bay has been unrunnable upon. That's a word, right? <laughs> you can't run on the box to the point that multiple teams this year have just not even tried. They're not even trying to run the ball. We've seen game scripts where there's just like five, six, seven carries all game. Nick Sirianni, the new coach for the Eagles, he's been making a lot of smart decisions. They're going for two, they're going for fourth down. That reads to me like a coach that's going to look at this matchup and be like, yeah, I don't think we're going to run on this team. We're going to have to win this another way. And the other way is throwing against Tampa Bay secondary. Secondary is really banged up. Carlton Davis is on IR. Sean Murphy Bunting is out. Jamel Dean, I think, is back, but that still is two of the three corners. Antoine Winfield is question mark. Tampa secondary is very leaky. And that's the problem with the team right now. So to me, that's the matchup is 
the, the, the play to exploit is that I'm expecting the Eagles to be throwing a lot more than usual. So I'm going to stay away from Eagles running and expect that the Eagles uh, passing might go well. Especially, I think we're going to get a lot of kind of check downs and underneath stuff. I expect Tampa to try to take away, like they know their secondary is not great, so they're going to try to take some of that away. Uh, but I expect a lot of check down stuff. So two guys that I like here to start out. Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz. I'm going to take both of their over receiving yards. So Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard is out. So the two the two tight end head machine is only one this week. Goddard has been averaging four targets a game. Zach Ertz has had six or more targets each of the last three weeks. So if you assume that he's going to pick up those six or more targets and get some of the Goddard targets as well, then over 44 and a half yards looks good for him. That's not a lot of catches even for a tight end. You don't have to get too much to get there. Miles Sanders, over 23 and a half receiving yards. Sanders is a nice receiver when he remembers how to catch the ball. I don't think he's going to be running a whole lot this game, but I do think he'll be out there. So he's had three catches or more in four of the five games so far, usually around seven yards a catch. So that is a good spot for him to get into the mid-20s and hit the over there. What do you think about Sanders or Ertz so far? Yeah, I totally agree with you in terms of the game script that we saw with the Patriots that they had negative four rushing yards. Their best rusher was Nelson Aguilar in that game, uh, (laughs) as one predicts. And uh, last week we saw, I mean, I sat Miles Gaskin, by the way, and thinking there's no way. You should have. There's no way he can do anything against this Bucks defense. And look what they did. They peppered him with targets, 10 targets, um, which he had never, he had seen zero targets of the week prior. So yeah, teams are just going to scheme um, and make it work because they know they can't run on the team. So I agree with you. The Miles Sanders one at 23 and a half absolutely stood out to me first. Um, and then, yeah, Ertz at this point just feels like almost like a free space. Like he's like the guy that I am going to be pumping up all week. And uh, I have not checked his price on DraftKings or anything, but certainly feels, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, certainly feels like he is definitely a guy that you would want to invest in. So Ertz and Miles Sanders, we like the overs. I've got a few more overs to add on to the same sort of position. Love it. We I love, love what overs. I, yeah, yeah, you got to love overs. Overs, they, they, they're just more fun to root for. And look, if we're playing the game script, you want to play the same angle. That's the whole point of a same, you know, putting things together from the same game. The idea is not to just pick four or five things that you like, but to actually say, okay, if this one happens, then this other thing is also more likely to happen. These are not independent variables, as as we math nerds would say. So the other one I like here is another Eagles receiving over. I love Devontae Smith. Rookie receiver has been looking awesome. He's averaging almost eight targets a game. He's had at least six receptions and at least 71 yards in three of the five games. So against the secondary, he's the guy that the Bucks are going to try to take away, but he's going to get open. He can uh, always on even one play pick up a huge chunk of this. So over 71 and a half yards for him. I like that too. And then if we're really playing three Eagles dudes to go over their receiving yards, it only makes sense to me that you got to play Jalen Hurts over as well. 280.5 passing yards. If you're playing the other three guys anyway, you know that Hurts is going to get a lot, a lot of yards. He's already halfway there just for you to hit those three overs. So I, I'm just going to go in on the Eagles and in on this bad Bucks secondary right now and see them get a lot of yards. Maybe the Eagles are behind all game. Maybe they're going to be throwing and trying to catch up. 
and, and playing the game script. So I like all the Eagles overs. I mean, it makes me a little nervous. I don't know if it makes you a little bit nervous to like make this whole um, sort of script in our heads that relies on Jalen Hurts passing a ton. Now I know the Bucks defense, uh, pass defense is terrible. Um, but no, I, I mean, I agree with you on the Smith take for sure at 71 and a half. It seems like a really, really big number. Like I feel like Cup last week was only like 80 or maybe in the 70s or something like that. So that's a really big number, but he also is like one of, I think, eight receivers that has at least 40% of his team's air yards. I really, really like what I've seen from him so far. And I think he's definitely a, a candidate to have a monster game this week. So definitely like that. And then agree with you in terms of logic that if we're just going to go all overs, we have to take the Hurts one. So fingers crossed, he is my quarterback in the Scott Fishbowl. So I'm hoping for a big game there. And, and let me throw in one more too. If you, you don't have to play all of these, you know, you can make your own prize picks entry, win your own thing. But since this was a question from, I think, Pats fan 2121, I'm going to assume that this was a person that enjoys a little Tom Brady in their life. So <laughs> if you want to get crazy, a Tom Brady, one that you can add in here, Tom Brady over 1.5 rushing yards. Tom Brady did not have a run the first week of the season. This is like an octogenarian out here playing football, but it doesn't matter. He's been running. Think about each game you watch. Every time, you know, Chris Collinsworth is like, oh my God, Tom Brady, look at that. He ran for four yards. He's galloping. He's Michael Vick out there. (laughs) That's running. (laughs) So last four games, Brady has six, 14, three, and 13 rushing yards. And the three was only that low because he had a few kneel downs at the end to bring the, the number down. So one and a half yards. Look, that could be sneaks. Brady loves the sneak. So all we need is one scramble. What more ridiculous thing than having your money on the line, waiting all game for one chance for that pocket to collapse. And the Eagles pass rush, pretty good. Chance to get home. You just need Brady to step up, fall forward for two yards and add that last one in. So if you want to go crazy, go for a higher result there. I like that one too. I love this one. This one is a fun one for sure. And with Brady, like maybe ailing with his hand, who knows? He could definitely do a QB sneak. So I love this one for sure. So uh, did you want to recap uh, the five picks that we have? Just a two. Sure. So all in on Eagles passing overs. We've got Miles Sanders over 23 and a half receiving yards. Stack Hurts over 44 and a half receiving yards. Devontae Smith, 71 and a half yards receiving over. Jalen Hurts, 280.5 passing yards. We're going over on that one. And if you want, add in that Tom Brady over one and a half rushing yards. We almost hit four for four last week. So this is going to be the week. We're going to hit all five. As a reminder, guys, you can mix and match fantasy points and player props to make your lineups really spicy. Also, prize six markets really move very fast. So you will want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers. If you have not created a prize fix account yet, please check the link in our episode description because prize fix has a special offer for fantasy flex listeners. They will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prizefix.com and use promo code action 10. All right. Let us just keep it moving here on this mailbag episode. All right. Up next from at number one, Pana, I'm going to guess this person is not leading their fantasy league because their question is, do I play Justin Fields or Jared Goff? And they know, cause there is a lot of frowny faces at the end of this question. Fields yeah. or Goff? What do you think? 
Um, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt to say that this is probably <laughs> a super flex league or like a, or a two Five weeks. Maybe, maybe yeah. they got Matt Ryan and Zach Wilson. Uh, that's also why they're losing. I mean, maybe they had Russell Wilson. Like, you don't know. There are a lot there of, we go. I have to start one of these guys in like two different leagues. So things happen. Like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, yes, the, the very best in the world might be starting these who among us, who among us, right? Who's among us. Yes. Um, I mean, okay. Yeah. Obviously I'm not f- feeling either guy this week or ever, but and my heart wants to say fields because I don't know if you know this, but I was like, I was the Justin Fields like president of the fan club for action network. They had me doing all the pre-draft videos talking about how much I loved <laughs> Justin Fields. Cause everyone like they had me against like Raybon who loved Trey Lance and someone else that was loving Mac Jones. So yeah, I, I have been the president of that field fan field club fan club. Um, obviously he has better upside, better weapons. I just, I don't know. I mean, it's also a better, it's a, it's a better matchup versus the Packers, but Matt Nagy hates fantasy football and I think hates his own team. Um, Since week two, when Fields took over for Dalton, he is QB 34. Um, He has 25 and a half fantasy points through those four games and has yet to post one double digit uh, game or pass for more than one touchdown in a game. So that is a big oof. Um, certainly a big oof too, because we were talking about him as like a league winner. Like when he starts, you could be immediately top 12. And like, obviously we have not seen that. So on the other side, Goff is not that much better in that same span. He has QB 28. Um, but he has at least scored double digit fantasy points in three of five games. Um, certainly been hamstrung by the lack of pass catchers and overall talent on the the Lions, they just lost Quintus Cephas for the season. Um, he does face Cincinnati's defense, who is better, I think, than the Packers have looked recently. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Fields breakout game is coming. I still believe, like, I still believe <laughs> that the talent is there and someone just needs to learn how to use it. Um, that may require Matt Nagy to be, like, fired into the sun or just fired for that to happen. But I'm rolling with Goff and plugging my nose if those are my two options. Yeah, so I live in Chicago area. I had multiple different friends send me the same meme this week of a picture of a bunch of people combing through uh, Matt Nagy's emails, trying to find if there's any John Gruden emails hidden in there. That's the sort of state that we're in around this area in Chicago. It's it's rough out here. You said Justin Fields is QB 34 the last few weeks. I can't remember. How many teams are there in the NFL these days? 32, right? One spot behind Taysom Hill. Yeah, when when you're falling behind Taysom Hill, and I'm gonna guess maybe Geno Smith or something like, oh yeah, not he's going well right for near you. Geno Smith. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking at Justin Fields' numbers. He's, I think the thing with Fields is we like that he's gonna be this dual threat. He's gonna run a little bit and add some value there. We love that for fantasy quarterbacks. It's not happening. I don't know if it's him. Maybe he's trying too hard to be a pocket passer. Maybe it's the naggy thing. He's only had three rushing attempts each of the last three games. And he's only combined for 25 rushing yards total in those three starts. So there's no rushing value. His career high is 12 completions in a game right now. The answer is you can't play fields. Eventually, don't get rid of him. Keep him there. Maybe there's some value. I agree. I I liked his upside as well. But he can't be an option. Whatever your other option is, it has to be that. If it's super flex too, like I know the compulsion is to start a quarterback always. 
between these two quarterbacks that may not even be your best option. So weigh all your options. Like if you literally think you can get 12 points out of someone on your bench in like the, in the super flex, I don't know that either guy is going to put up 12 points. So uh, just think about it. (laughs) Unfortunately, Justin Fields is also playing a little bit like a tight end right now. Not what you want from your starting quarterback. So yeah, don't, don't play fields. All right. Up next from at AC snow 22. So they made some waiver claims last night. We're not necessarily sure who they got, but they tried to pick up either Darrell Williams or Devontae Booker. So assuming that they, let's assume they got both. So we got both of those in play. Would they, would we start either Williams or Booker over Zach Moss at running back two? And they worry about Williams touches and Booker's QB situation and then shrug emoji. Yeah, it's pretty close between these guys. Um, I think I still like Moss, though, over Williams and Booker. I think he's the safer option. He's RB15 and half PPR since week two. He was a healthy scratch in week one. Very weird situation. Um, But I think he has a lot of upside in the passing game, too, um, which maybe the other guys don't have as much. Williams is definitely a close second for me because I seriously doubt Jarek McKinnon is going to pose that much of a threat and the chiefs just have been putting up so many points. So of course, like having that exposure in that offense, very exciting, but also having exposure in the bills offense, very exciting. So, and they both have positive matchups against the Titans and Washington respectively. I'm going to lean Moss over there. Um, Booker has the best situation of the three in terms of competition, but I am a hundred percent with you in terms of the concerns about the giants ineptitude on offense, limiting his production. Like I said, I think they're all kind of similar, like in that low end RB2, high end RB3 range. But I think Moss is the safest play and Williams may be more of like the high upside play. Yeah, I think I pretty much disagree with you on that. I'm going to defer to the expert on this one. And yeah, I I always like getting them in the better offenses. So I, I would lean toward the Bills or Chiefs. So I think that you got the right read on that one. Awesome. All right. Let's hear from Maxwell. Maxwell wants to know, what do I do with Allen Robinson? Don't we all want to know that? (laughs) Maxwell has Cup, Debo, and Claypool as their other options, so he's not hurting at receiver. Should he bench A-Rob, start him, or try to trade him? Ooh, a good bench starter trade question. I love these. Oof. Uh, well, it's great that you have three good receivers because some of us that drafted Allen Robinson don't have this luxury right now. I am in a shallow league with shallow benches. Like I'm almost there with Allen Robinson. It is so tough because you want to be like the talents there, start your studs. Like all of that is like speaking into your ears, kind of like the devil and the angel on your shoulder. And I just like, he's done absolutely nothing all season for me. And I just said this, that the fields breakout is coming, but it may not come until the fantasy playoffs. Like it may be that far off. And I think it takes a fields breakout for Allen Robinson to do much better. So you can't trade him. Like, I don't, I don't know that anyone wants him. I mean, maybe if you have like a really diehard Brown, uh, Bears fan on your, in your or Allen Robinson's grandma, or uh, exactly. If you have Allen Robinson's grandmother in your <laughs> league, absolutely put him on the trading block, but I don't think that you're going to get much for him. So I would say as long as you have the space, you're benching him, but like you're not starting him. I'm not, I'm not starting him to speak. Yeah. You're certainly not starting him. Look, if fields is only completing at most 12 completions per game, there's not enough there. Like 
you pretty much need like a hundred percent target share from Allen Robinson, which, you know, gets close some days, but Darnell Mooney has right the same number of targets as him. So yeah, that's, true. I, that's true. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You just, you can't right now with the bears. If you had to cut him to pick up, if there's someone you really need to get, then I guess I would consider it. But Robinson is super talented. You want to have him around if, if the bears get going, uh, if fields continues to struggle this badly and he does have some injuries, Maybe Nagy goes back to a more of a pocket passer in, in Dalton. Maybe that helps with Robinson. I think he's too talented to cut. I did see, though, right now among all receivers and tight ends, like anyone who runs routes, Allen Robinson is getting the least separation of any player on his routes. So that's not great either. This might not only be a quarterback thing. I don't know if that's on him, Robinson, or if that's on the offense. It's it's just bad all around. So you definitely can't play him right now. I would try to keep him. I agree. You can't trade him. You're, you're not going to trade him for much. Though, um, question: uh, Would you drop him for Kadarius Tony? Yes, I think so because Kadarius Tony. Yeah, Kadarius. Well, let's go to our next question. We're going to talk about Kadarius Tony there. So, PJ writes: Who is the better pickup rest of season between Rondell Moore and Kadarius Tony? Full PPR. So, what do you think? What What do you think about Kadarius Tony? I mean. It really just depends. If you if you need someone this week, I think Tony's the better play. We saw, I mean, it may be a little bit of recency bias, but obviously he had a fantastic week five. But it, since you said rest of season, I think I'm going to go with more. He has more competition. He's never going to be the number one option on that team so long as DeAndre Hopkins is there, even though Hopkins has had a couple of off weeks. I think he's fine. Um, but neither will Tony once their depth chart gets a little bit healthier. Like I refuse to believe that all those guys will be out for every single game. And if we look at these offenses as a whole, we talked about this with like Dak versus uh, Ben. It, there's just simply no comparison comparing Arizona and the Giants. I mean, Kyler Murray is in a different stratosphere than Daniel Jones, or if Daniel Jones doesn't even play this week, obviously even worse. Um, and the Cardinals are just a better coach team in my opinion so both are incredibly talented receivers I just like more situation long term over Tony so yeah Tony's the this week's play but Rondell more rest of season and I asked you that I just wanted to know where your head was in terms of (laughs) Allen Robinson like is he literally at the Kadarius Tony level (laughs) yeah I mean look rough rough look for the Giants when the Cardinals are clearly the better coach team (laughs) We, we are we are not big fans of Cliff Kingsbury around here at Action Network. So sorry, Giants fans for that. Hey, you got you got your win. You got your one win. So you got to, you know, wait it out for a little bit here. Yeah. Rondell Moore has been really good. I was not expecting much from him from a fan, fantasy perspective, but this Cardinals thing, it works. You know, when you're watching in a red zone and the games are bouncing around between different games, it's always very distinctive when it gets to a Cardinals game because there's all these little dudes and they're just like running all over the place, running past the defense. And it doesn't feel like it should work, but I'm starting to wonder if maybe this Kingsbury offense wasn't working as well because he didn't quite have the guys for his offense, for his system yet. And now he's got the guys, you know, Chase Edmonds is a little tiny running back. Kyler is a little dude and Rondell Moore is a little dude. They're so fast and they're scampering past guys and They've been throwing all these little bubble screens and under routes and just going for yak, but they didn't have guys that could do that. Like that's not necessarily DeAndre Hopkins game. Rondell Moore, that's the game. Like the whole play is turn it into a punt play and see if Rondell Moore can do stuff. And he's been really efficient with his touches. So 
you know, any given week, he might be your fourth or fifth option in Arizona. So there's the risk there. But between the options, I think he's got the, the best longer value. Kadarius Tony, at least I know, has short-term value. I don't know if Allen Robinson has any value. <laughs> so to me, that's why, like, at least I know Tony's going to be playable for a few weeks here until the Giants get things back in order again. I don't know if Robinson is ever going to be playable the way things are looking right now. So if I had to, and it, if I'm desperate for some sort of play, that's, I think, why I'd go with Tony. But I think between Tony and Moore for PJ, I would, I would rather have Rondale. It's so disappointing because we've seen Robinson have this absolutely terrible menagerie of quarterbacks his entire career. And you just thought, oh, he's finally getting Justin Fields. He's finally getting a real quarterback. And like, literally, that's the first thing I thought of when he was drafted by the Bears. <laughs> like, Finally, Allen Robinson has a guy. And it's it's disappointing because I thought that he could overcome a lot of things. But clearly he I mean, maybe it is to your point. Maybe it is him not getting separation. But uh, yeah, I'm going to chalk this one up to an L for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go to our next question from at James H. Boat, who writes, is it time to stop overthinking it and actually treat Mike Evans like the stud that he is? Current 16 game pace of 1,250 yards and 13 touchdowns. So what do you think? Is Mike Evans a stud? I mean, he's definitely a stud. Uh, his two two touchdown games, though, did come against Atlanta and Miami. So I think take that with a grain of salt. Um, those games were obviously huge victories. I think he's a stud among a number of studs. And I don't think it's necessarily problematic, but like he is always going to have to um, compete for red zone looks from Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown. It, Gronkowski is coming back at some point, maybe next week. Like he, there was optimism that he would play this week. So I think he's on track to come back soon. So I think that that caps his value a bit, but even with all that impressive cast, he's in a Tom Brady led offense that puts up a ton of points. I consider him a high end wide receiver to rest of season. So like I'm putting him like, with like maybe CD lamb rest of season or something like that. So I'm not ready to bump him up to that elite elite tier. Like he's not going in like the Devontae Adams tier, but um, barring an injury, let's say to, to Chris Godwin or something like that, but he's like elite light. Yeah. I mean, look, a stud among a number of studs. I think that was in our job description. Like that's, that's <laughs> just, that's us at action network. So I like that description. There's a lot of talent in Tampa Bay, but it's fine. They're, they're all producing. And Evans is going to have some weeks where he doesn't produce a lot, but he always has. That's always been the case with him. He's always going to be a red zone threat. And I, I really believe Tom Brady is going to threaten her past 50 touchdowns this year. He's well on his way right now. So there's going to be a lot of touchdown opportunities there. Gronkowski probably not going to get fully healthy again this season. So that makes Evans the top red zone target when they get close. And he's getting more catches, getting some of those long passes in. He's always a big threat down the field. We don't get points for this, but he sneakily always is a big threat to pick up a lot of uh, pass interference yardage too. They like to throw to it him deep. So he's a big target, literally. Uh, yeah, I think it's time to treat him like the stud that he is. Like like James is saying, keep him in your lineup, set it and forget it. You're going to get some some misses because almost any receiver you will, but he's he's too talented and too good of a situation to, to bench or think too much about. You just got to leave him in there and, and hope the touchdowns come, I think. I agree. All right. I think we are on our last question here from Joseph. Joseph says, 
Samantha, congratulations on buying a condo. How's that going, by the way? Are, are, are we wrapping up? Are we near the end? Give, give our listeners an update. We are approaching. We're like in the two minute warning at this point um, because all we got past, I, I got past, I say we, it's like me and my realtor. It's almost like we have a relationship, but like we got past the inspection phase, which I think is generally the hardest phase to like overcome for a lot of buyers, just because a lot of things can come up. So got past that. And really all it comes down to at this point is the appraisal. So I'm waiting to hear back on that. And hopefully the appraisal just comes back right at the number that we bid and we can just move forward. So I allegedly closed two weeks from Thursday, which is so crazy. Um, I just made notice in my building. So uh, yeah, hopefully everything is on track and nothing very weird and catastrophic happens. All right. Well, that's a good update. You know, hopefully, hopefully soon. That means two, three, three episodes from now, three weekly episodes from now that will get a different background behind there in your new condo yes. and get everything set up and good to go. So thank you, Joseph, for your congratulations. His question, it's a long question. So I'm going to summarize here. His question, he says, my question is simple, but tricky and layered. What do we make of the 49ers offense as a whole? So he goes on to talk about Kyle Shanahan. We've got Brandon Ayuk and Trey Sermon, George Kittle, who's hurt right now, Elijah Mitchell, who is finally back, Jeff Wilson, who should return later. A lot of names. Basically, what do we think about these 49ers? And is there anybody among all of, as you call them, the Shanahanigans? I, uh, I should have let you just say the word. What, what do we think? Is anything going to emerge here? Anyone going to be consistent? I just know that the moment that I tell managers and listeners that it's okay <laughs> to Shanahan player, it's the time that he's going to disappoint me. So, I mean, okay. As of right now, Wednesday, October 13th, um, I'm going to say that Samuel and Mitchell, you can trust much to the dismay of Ayuk managers. Samuel is wide receiver four and half PPR. I think what at least my thought process was going into the season was there were going to be two sort of viable wide receiver twos in that offense with Samuel and Ayuk. And it's clear that it's one wide receiver one and Ayuk is on an ice flow somewhere. So I have no faith in him moving forward. Um, I've definitely stopped telling people to sell high on Samuel because it does really look like he's, he's been a stud. Um, Mitchell is the RB one until further notice he didn't do super well. Like I think he was like RB 35 or something last week, but he saw all the touches. It wasn't a lot of touches, but Trey Sermon got one touch and Kyle Juszczyk saw one touch. So um, I think it's suffice it to say Sermon is not the guy. He had the chance to run away with this backfield and he did not. So I think Mitchell, he's bang- he was banged up. He'll be better. He will be the RB one until, until further notice. Um, I don't know how the Jeff Wilson addition will impact his role once he's activated. I anticipate Wilson will just have to earn a role though, because I think Mitchell has already been like the proven guy, but you know, I don't know. Shanahan is like the most unpredictable human on this planet. I think at this point we saw all the smoke screens from the draft. So of course we have to just expect this. And I still like, I expect it, but I still get hurt by it. I don't know what that means about me, but um, I think you can trust Kittle once he returns from injury, just because he is such a stud, but the injury risk is still there. Like he, he could just 
get injured at any time. So could any player. But um, certainly that will be a lingering thing that he carries with him. So when he comes back, I still think he's like a mid-tier tight end one, especially with tight end being such like a hellscape. So what do you think about the 49ers? I think that it sounds like you might have a relationship with Kyle Shanahan also that you, you guys might need to have some counseling. It might, it might be time to move on. This, this relationship does not sound like it's very healthy. Differences. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not great, but yeah, I was, as I was researching receivers a little bit this week, I was surprised the whole thing with Brandon Ayuk, why we liked him is that the 49ers love these yak guys. They love to just get the ball out to the guys quickly, let them make plays. Ayuk hasn't had a lot of opportunities this year, but his yak numbers have been terrible. Like they, he's just not getting anything after the catch. So he's, I don't know if it's because he's hurt and there's something we don't know about that. He's not getting separation, but the whole thing, it's, it's like Rondell Moore. They're just trying to get the ball quickly to their playmakers and let them do their thing. On the flip side, Debo Samuel has the highest yak over expectation of any receiver in the NFL. So he's doing the thing that the Niners want the receivers to do. They're getting it to Debo and then he's taking off from there. He's beating guys and he's making plays. So yeah, if you're seeing that, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're seeing those numbers, it's pretty clear which guy you should keep featuring and which guy you are, you know, bearing on an ice floe somewhere. So Ayuk, I don't even know if it's a guy that I know you invested a lot to get him, but there's nothing that we've seen from him so far this year makes him rosterable. The only thing that is keeping him on a roster right now is the draft pick that you spent on him or the auction dollars you spent on him. So if you got to cut him to make room for someone else, I'm not sure that there's a return on that investment at this point. Sunk cost, you know, it's gone. The draft pick is gone. So Debo, keep playing him. Elijah Mitchell, I feel good about keeping him around. I don't think we need to worry about Jeff Wilson. Well, you know, he'll have a role because it's Shanahan. So he'll always find a way to play someone. Someone will get hurt. Wilson probably is more like a third down receiving sort of back, I think, to me. Uh, but I don't know. He needs to be on a roster right now. I I'm certainly not grabbing 49ers running backs and stashing them, waiting around for my big opportunity for them. Like that opportunity might not be walking through that door. So I, I still want Trey Lance in this offense. But that didn't look so great the last, you know, his, his big start this week. There were flashes, but there were problems as well. It sounds like Shanahan's going to go after this bye week, go back to Garoppolo if he can. So I don't know. It, it's almost Debo or bust. And then Kittle, once he comes back, obviously has to go back in your starting lineup. But yeah, the Niners, I don't know. I, I'm starting to wonder if, we all, if we've all been duped. Kyle Shanahan, as much as we put him in the, in the tier with all those great coaches, doesn't really stack up. You know, he's got like a lifetime losing record as a coach against the spread as a better. He, as a favorite, especially he's horrendous as a favorite. He's like eight and 20 against the spread or something like never bet on Kyle Shanahan as a favorite. So it's, and it's, it's fantasy, it's betting, it's real life, you know, and I know there's been a lot of injuries and there are a lot of reasons the Niners aren't working out, but I'm starting to wonder if we're just all getting duped a little bit on this thing. So I don't, I don't know. Would, okay, I'll ask you one follow up and then we will finish up. Brandon Ayuk or Alan Robinson, rest of Oh, man. I didn't know we were finishing our podcast with a friendly game of Russian roulette today. <laughs> uh, Alan Robinson, because uh, Robinson, I think, is the more talented receiver. He, he's a really talented receiver. And at least we know, we know that he's the top guy in that offense. Mooney is getting some looks, but Robinson. If, if Fields comes around, and he will, 
Fields will come around. Like we're not out on Justin Fields. He's going to be a good quarterback. You need a new coach, maybe an offensive line, maybe some other stuff on the team there. But you know, it's it's awful right now. But be patient. Allen Robinson, he's a touchdown threat. Ayuk, I don't know. Like Ayuk is what, like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth option, depending on the day in this offense. We don't necessarily know that the Niners' offense is that great anyway. I just, I'm not seeing it. I, I liked Ayuk a lot coming into the year, but it didn't happen. I thought he was going to have the year that Debo Samuel is having, and it's been a flipped because, of course, that's what Shanahan does. But maybe it flips again, and maybe Ayuk has that upside. But you know, I think he's the guy you pick up back off of waivers at that point. Robinson is the, is the guy that I would at least want to keep around. Like if these guys are both on waivers and I can only grab one of them, Robinson is the guy that I'm stashing because to me, once the Bears turn back into a decent passing offense, Robinson is at least a third receiver for my lineup week to week. And it may not have a huge upside from there, but at least he's a guy that I can put out each week and feel good about. I don't know if I'm ever going to feel good about Ayuk this season. I agree with you. Ayuk has broken all trust in the trust circle for me. Um, all right, he's, that will do it. Giving a bad name to Brandon's too. Come on, man. <laughs> There's only so many of us out there. You gotta, you gotta represent the name. Fair enough. Brandon Anderson is a good one. Um, that will do it for this mailbag episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as a reminder, Sean Kerner and Chris Rayvon are here on the Fantasy Flex every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, giving you guys all the DFS waiver wire and rankings info that you need to dominate your fantasy leagues. I will be back next Tuesday with another round of 21 questions with our special guest, Andy Behrens, uh from Yahoo mm -hmm. Fantasy. So that will be a fun That's one. Exciting. I was just on his show. So very fun. And then I will be back next Thursday with another mailbag episode. So don't forget, please send any mailbag questions to mailbag at actionnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen. And we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex presented by Prize Picks. Peace out, y'all.